Welcome to the Nerd Party. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Throwback Paperback. I'm one of your hosts, Charles Sheeland. And I'm the other host, Asia Bonilla. We're back this week finishing the first book of the Hunger Games trilogy, The Eponymous Hunger Games. We get to move into everyone's favorite Hunger Games book, Catching Fire, next week. I am so ready. Like I said, I guess it must have been last week, when we were reading Hunger Games 1, it already made me so excited for Catching Fire, so I'm glad. I mean, this is a great reading too, but I'm just ready to get on to the next one. For anyone who's new to our podcast, we're a podcast with the Nerd Party Network. We're best friends, and we read and reread YA literature from our adolescence, and we share books with each other. We started the show with a series that I had read, Percy Jackson, and Charles read it for the first time. Then we moved on to a series Charles had read, and I read it for the first time. And we've been alternating back and forth, but right now we're giving ourselves a little treat with The Hunger Games, which both of us have read and love a lot. And then we try to provide inside thoughts and just see how something reads or feels after reading it as an adult, what holds up and what doesn't, what is better and what went over our heads. And in case you didn't get a chance to read along, we always give a plot summary of the reading. So this week, Charles is providing us with a summary for the second half of The Hunger Games. Yeah, so Katniss and Rue team up and this sort of causes a considerable thinning out of the competition So they get down to the final six, and it's announced that the tributes from the same district can become a team. Katniss, Nurse Fines, and Nurse Peta back to health, and they're working well together and putting on a romance for the Capitol. And then finally, they do end up facing off against Cato, the remaining tribute from District 2. Once the two of them are left, the game makers say, just kidding, you can only have one winner. And Katniss suggests that they both kill themselves rather than one of them going back without the other. The game makers declare them both the victors, but apparently President Snow and the Capitol are pretty unhappy with them for defying them. And so Katniss really lays on thick the romance that she just couldn't live without Peta. But as they head back to 12, it's kind of revealed that none of it was acting for Peta, and he storms off. And that's how the book ends. <laughs> And my, you know, first impression when I finished the reading was that I forgot how sad the ending is. So, like, I couldn't remember when the Peta-Katniss argument happens, because I obviously remember that it was going to happen, but I couldn't remember if it was, like, the end of this book or the beginning of the next one. But it's the end of this one, so that's, that's a damper. But I do think that that's actually an appropriate and good, like, ending, because we just saw 22 teenagers kill each other and get slaughtered, and, like... Even though, like, it's not like our characters were like, yes, we're so excited to kill people. Like, it would not have been really okay for them to, like, be like, well, we won, we escaped, phew, thank goodness. Like, it couldn't, it would have been a little sick, I think, if it ended on, like, a perfectly happy ending, given that it was, like, a pretty tragic book. <laughs> but what did you think, Asia? Yeah, I definitely agree with the ending. We It shouldn't have ended necessarily on a happy note. But I definitely remember the ending of the book being super awful with how Cato dies in the end, being attacked by the, like, wolf mutations. And even though I remembered that scene, it was still just really disturbing and, like, shocking, even just rereading it. But 
as I was thinking about that, I'm also just thinking of the reason why, which we like, I kind of touched on in the last episode, why his dark materials seemed much more or seemed more, seemed darker and just more disturbing in comparison to this is because at least for the Hunger Games, the whole story we're going to be getting from Katniss's perspective, and she's constantly calling out the wrongdoings of the Capitol and you know, talking about how bad this is and how wrong it is. Whereas in the last series we just read in his dark materials, since it's told from a third person perspective, we're kind of getting to hear the thoughts of everyone, including the like quote unquote evil side of the church. And just, we just kind of see how they justify it, which to me is just like a lot more unsettling and like terrible which I feel like that's why, for me, it's just that reading was darker for me. I also think it's darker, like, emotional material. Like, we're we're going to have some more, like, psychological warfare-y things coming up in the rest of the series. But a lot of what the darkness in this book is, is, like, physical violence and yeah, more, like, interpersonal violence. Whereas a lot of what's happening in his dark materials is, like, sociological structural like oppression and violence and torture like it's more abstract or not more abstract but it's like I don't want to say like larger stakes things because obviously these teenagers dying is obviously that's not that's not not important but we're talking about like you know his dark materials you have institutions that are practicing torture and justifying it whereas here you just have teenagers that are being forced to kill each other like it's it's a smaller scale, I think. And like, yeah, but I think we'll talk about that more as it goes on. And I think, think that the themes will get darker as the books progress. But right away, we start with some levity. We have Katniss and Rue teaming up and it's super sweet. And something that I picked up on, which, you know, is that Katniss importantly learns that life in the other district is also terrible. Like, we, you know, so far we've kind of assumed that because 12 is the poorest district and coal is a terrible product to produce because they all die in explosions and they're all breathing in coal dust and it's super poor. Like, we know that Katniss's life is horrible, but it's important for her to learn that other districts also have horrible lives. Yeah, I wrote down this too because after Katniss talks to Rue, she's kind of thinking about how even though she's from District 12, which is the poorest district, they're not really checked on regularly by the Capitol. So like Rue talks about how in District 11, they have public whippings all the time and children who like make mistakes like because they're probably like a little bit um, like they're just confused and they do something wrong and then they get killed for it. Like they just get shot. So like that kind of stuff doesn't happen in District 12 very often. So Katna was just saying like, thinking about the fact of, you know, she's thinking she's coming from this terrible place where everyone's starving to death, but it's not as bad as it could be. And this is also, you know, just setting up for future books and in kind of a clever way of kind of showing Katniss how the other districts are treated compared to District 12. And it's also nice because we're kind of getting to know a little bit more about Rue, but Katniss is getting to know about all of Panem. And I also just noted that I thought it really made sense to me why Suzanne Collins made the black district agriculture with obviously like the history of slavery and being out in the fields 
So I just thought that that was pretty like accurate for her to do. Like, even though like Katniss talks about being district 12 is the worst, but ultimately from what Rue describes to me, district 11 would be the worst because Mm -hmm. they're poor, they're hungry, but they're essentially getting the worst treatment out of all the districts. Whereas at least Katniss talks about in district 12, like the peacekeepers, like don't like, they let them go hunt outside because they're benefiting from getting the food. Yeah. No, it's like, even in post-U.S. North America, you still have, like, operational and structural racism going on because District 11 is in the Mid-Atlantic to the south. Like, D- District 11 is the southeast. So what were the slave colonies and um, and the, you know, the breadbasket of the country for a long, long time? So I think that you're right. It's, like, it's a very astute writing of Collins because also, like, every character we meet from District 11 is also black. Like, that she even, like, throws in that level of, you know, racism that this district is predominantly black and then has, like, public shaming of individuals, like, public violence against individuals. And the fact that they, like, produce the food and they don't even get to eat it. Like, it's, yeah. But I think that you're so right. Like, it's a testament to her writing that it's while Katniss is experiencing Rue and we're experiencing Rue, Katniss is also experiencing like a larger picture. Again, not heavy handed, but it's teaching her about the other districts because she says we don't know anything about the other districts. They keep us apart. Yeah. So that we don't know things. So again, good writing on Collins's part. And <laughs> another important thing about her alliance with Rue is that Rue is like, I didn't think Peter was acting when he said he was in love. And Kate Katniss is like, of course it was. It was all just a strategy. And I was like, I'm with Rue, but whatever. <laughs> and, you know, again, just got to call out Katniss being way smarter than she gives herself credit for. She's like, actually being from a poor district helps you in the games because you know what it's like to be hungry, which is a little sick, but like also clever Katniss. Cause she's like, every time the careers don't have their food, that's the year that someone else wins. So that's when they develop this plan to go blow up the supplies. Which, unfortunately, this whole thing ends up leading to Rue's death and Katniss's galvanization against the Capitol, which I was writing down that Rue's death is ultimately like Katniss's turning point when she finally is truly realizing her hatred for the Capitol. And she kind of really understands what PETA was talking about right before they went into the games about not wanting to belong to the capital and not just be a game piece to them. Because I feel like before she was just really thinking about, I got, I have to survive this. Like this is unfortunate circumstances. And of course this is wrong, but I just want to survive. But she talks a lot about how Rue just reminds her so much of Prim. So when Rue dies and also the boy from district one kills Rue and then she immediately kills him. And it's like this reflection of, you know, the capital has forced all this violence upon us of, you know, he only is killing Rue because the capital is making him and she has to kill him because he killed Rue. And it's just this whole thing of like, if the capital hadn't done this to them, this wouldn't be happening. So I feel like it's this kind of epiphany moment for her where she finally like discovers who the real enemy is. Absolutely. And you know, she covers Rue in the flowers, and you're right. Like, it, as an epiphany moment, will continue to get referenced throughout all of the books as, like, it's not like she's going to forget about Rue when she leaves the arena. Like, this is something no, that's going to yeah, haunt her all. for the rest of the series. And 
It is a good segue, though, to the rule change because it's now announced that they can team up. And it's, like, really necessary because Katniss is, like, wandering aimlessly because she's, like, again, she's totally got a mindset change and she didn't have a strategy before. Her strategy before was, like, hide and seek. And then with Rue, she felt confident to, like, go on the offense. And without Rue, she, you know, doesn't have a strategy again. So when she can team up with PETA, she's like, I don't even have to be confused about PETA, like, all his back and forth. So I'm going to team up with him because obviously two are better than one. So she goes and finds him, and, you know, she goes and finds PETA. Yeah, so she's able to locate PETA in the arena because she's able to kind of track him because she knows that he's been injured by Kato. And (laughs) this is the moment that, like, I don't know if you've ever seen, like, the meme stuff, but there's, like, a really funny TikTok video about this of, like, when she finds PETA because he's painted into the ground. (laughs) I feel like I have. But the lines are just so funny because she's like, you know, because like she thinks she's like near where he is. And she's like, Peta. And he's like, Katniss. And she's like, she swears she heard something, but she doesn't see anything. And then she like gets close and he's like, well, don't step on me. Yeah. The TikTok is like there's somebody like in the dirt and it's like Katniss. (laughs) Like, it's just so funny. But like, this is just such a funny part. But but we, we get to see how Peta really has really really good at the camouflaging like he's completely like painted himself into the side of the rock where Katniss literally couldn't even see him until he like opened his eyes and like opened his mouth but anyway Katniss finds him and nurses him back to health because he has a very bad cut on his leg and, and it's infected because he's been covering it in mud oh yeah so he gross he's infected but she nurses him back to health <laughs> And she also hunts and creates a little cave for them. Basically, is protecting him this whole time. And during this whole part with, like, Katniss's reunion with PETA, I was also thinking of, you know, why I think I, and I'm sure many other people, really like Katniss as a character is because her relationship, especially in this moment, with PETA, like, she's definitely more of the protector. And this is definitely going to go on for the rest of the series because she's, like, breaking the stereotypical gender roles of, like, being that protector role, of being the stronger one. And that just comes from her background of coming from a poor background where, you know, she was forced to, like, have to be able to hunt, have to be able to fend for herself. Whereas Peta was a baker's son, which we I do think it's nice that we learn more about him and how Katniss, like, thinks that, you know, Peta was just living the good life when, like, actually, like, they would always eat, like, the stale bread and, like, the couple-of-day-old bread because they can't afford to eat the night stuff. So even though he was living a better life, it still wasn't this amazing thing. Yeah. Also, I think that one of the things that's so good about Katniss is that it's not, like, heavy-handed in a way of, like, Katniss is the strong leading man in the relationship. Like, it's not like that. She's still, like, she... She provides, but, like, you know, it's it's not... Yeah, I think it's just done really also well. Also because even Katniss talks about, like, once she's in the cave with Peta and they, like, cuddle in the sleeping bag, she says how she feels so safe. She said she hasn't felt safe with anyone since her father died. She hasn't face, felt safe with, like, anyone. I mean, maybe Gail, but, like, so, like, even though she's taking on this, like, protector role, like, Peta still gives her this sense of comfort and, like, protection, too. It's just that it's not in that stereotypical way of, like, he's protecting her physically, like, you know? 
Yeah. And also Katniss is not perfect, which I think is, I mean, we know that, but like, we like to hype up Katniss because she has a lot of hype up upable hype upable qualities. But like she's like, I'm really bad at medicine. I don't know what to do, Peta. And she's like, I'm not that good at this. She's like, ironically, Prim would be better for him at this moment. Like, obviously Prim would not have made it that far. But like it's it's not like she has like superhuman powers. Like yeah. and her and her ability and her skills are all believable because she got them over the course of years. Like she started hunting when she was twelve. She's been hunting for four years and being the head of the household for four years. So it's not unreasonable to assume that she can, like, put together a meal. But, like, it also, like, she's like, I don't really know that much about, like, medicine. She's like, I mean, getting rid of the pus sounds like a good idea, but that's all she can really, like, oh, that that part was so so gross. Oh, oh. I mean, satisfying, because, like, clearly she cleaned the wound. Satisfying? No, that's nasty. It was gross. And like in the yeah, in this moment I was reading it and I was like, Asia's favorite word is pitiful. And I was like, Peta's kind of being a little pitiful. Like, not in a and it's because he's injured. And also it's just because Katniss is just like or like when she's they so go hunting stealthy. later and she, the, the and hunting he's like scene is really clunking funny. around. Cause she literally hunting looks at him and is like He's like, I'll be quiet. And she's like, he's, st- and she's like, he's still moving like an elephant. <laughs> like, <laughs> she's literally like, I think he's trying to make a noise. <laughs> that's what like, like Katniss's like sassiness comes out through her thoughts. Cause like, she doesn't want to say these things. And she's like, this is terrible. She's like, I really just want to tie him up in a tree and go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But PETA, you know, PETA is a really good person. Like, I don't want anyone to think I'm PETA bashing. Cause I think that PETA's awesome. But like, especially in this section, because he's injured and maimed and she's taking care of him. Like, you know, Katniss is really, she's pulling the weight in this relationship. I mean, there's even a moment where she's like, who would have thought I found PETA and now I'd be at a disadvantage because I can't sleep in a tree. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so PETA is still, you know, his, he's got a different infection now that, like, the blood poisoning. So she has to go to the feast to get the medicine. Yes, which they... Pete and Katniss have a little argument over this because he's like, I'm not letting you go without me. I'm not going to let you die for me. And they're like having this little argument. But Hamish sends her a gift from the sponsors of a sleeping drug, basically, to drug Peta so that he can go to sleep for like a whole day so she can go. And he was saying, because like when they were initially arguing, Katniss is like, I'm not going to go. And he's like, you're a terrible liar. Like, I know you're just going to go. And they're like, they say they're like at a stalemate until she gets the drug. And she like mashes it up with berries, gives it to him. And he's like, it's so sweet. And she gets like four like drops through. And then he's already feeling drowsy. (laughs) And she just has a little sassy line after he basically passes out. And she's like, who can't lie, Peta? Because she totally just tricked him. And I just really like that. But then she goes to the feast to get the necessary medicine for Peta so that he can actually survive. And so in the feast, we have Clove. She's going to torture Katniss. So one, gross. Like, you're sick. Like, you're going to carve up her face with a knife. So that was gross. And also, Clove, you're bad at the games. I was, like, disappointed in her reading this because I was like, you're supposed to be a career. Like, I understand there's an argument for playing the, like, playing for the audience. Like, there's an argument to... And I also understand that Clove, like, hates Katniss because Katniss bested her. No one knows why Katniss is so good at the Hunger Games. Like, why is she doing so well? I understand that. And again, like, Katniss is really good at playing the audience or she's, like, I'm bad at it. But, like, she is aware that, like, there's an 
Like, whenever she's, like, in, she's always thinking, like, I can't cry because the cameras will be on me. Or, like, Katniss is aware of that. I think that, but I'm like, Clove, kill her first, get out of the danger zone, and maybe mutilate her body later if you need to. Like, I thought that she deserved to be crushed by threshed. The careers are, the careers are arrogant. So, like, of course they would do something like that. Well, anyway, I thought... Like she, and it serves the story. I understand, but I was like, she deserves to get killed not only because she's evil and sick, but also because she's dumb. Because she could have killed Katniss and it, gotten away, but she didn't because she was dumb. The arrogance. Well, the she arrogance got her skull crushed young. in, so that really paid off. Yeah, she gets her skull crushed in by Thresh, which, speaking of Thresh, I did want to talk about this because basically... Clove is on top of Katniss. He throws Clove off of her because Clove's like, oh, we killed, like, little Rue, your little ally. And Thresh, they're obviously from the same district, and he's like, you're talking about the little girl? Like, and he's like, oh, once he, like, throws Clove to Katniss, he's like, oh, are you, you were allied with Rue? And she's like, yeah. She's like, she talks about how she covered in the flowers. She stayed with her until she died. And so basically, he lets Katniss go because of Rue, and he's like, just this one time, which, like, that, I really like that moment because it is, like, a very human moment of, because when he, when Thresh turns to Katniss, Katniss is like, just make it quick, Thresh, like, because she's like, it's over, this man is gigantic, like, there's no way I'm going to be able to take him. And, like, him having, like, this moment of, like, conflict of, you know, should I just kill her because, you know, it's about my survival or, like, Katniss constantly is talking about this thing of, like, owing people. And he's, like, he's basically, like, he doesn't want to owe her because of what she did for Rue. Like, her coming from his district. So he lets her go. And, you know, that's all we hear from Thresh. Especially because he's not really talked about at all. Because they don't know where he, like, he's been on the other side of the arena without anybody. And, you know, a little bit later into the book, like, Cato obviously kills Thresh. You know, I always just wonder, like, how he died. And just would be more curious about his story because ultimately like Katniss even talks about when she hears of Thresh's death, like he's honestly like one of the most important tributes to her besides obviously Peta and Rue. Like she feels like the loss of his death because of what he did for her. Yeah. She says, she's like, I think we would be friends. And like, I think that, yeah, like a spinoff novella, just like I, I was actually thinking about this. I was like, you know how Brie Tanner, we have like, a spinoff novella that accompanies her and then it actually like leads to her death. And I was like, honestly, like that would work really well for Thresh because he's, because he's also experiencing a completely different side of the games. Like we don't know what he's doing because yeah. And like, why does he feel indebted to Rue such that he like transfers that debt to Katniss? Like it could just be because Katniss showed Rue kindness. That would be perfectly fine. But like, that's still a tough choice to make to be like, I'm going to let you live when I know that you're lethal. And like, yeah, like I think that he would be an interesting character to get more of. I think that especially because he was literally on the other side of the arena for the whole games. Yeah. And that was his only like real line because since we're getting yeah, to from Katniss perspective, talk. that's the only line we get in the whole book of him. And then he gets killed by Cato. Like I just, I always wonder He's one of those and characters. And it takes a couple days. Like, yeah, it, it takes, takes like two days. days. Yeah. And like, like we mentioned, like Rue's death is a turning point for Katniss. And so is actually the feast. Cause like she gets back and then like Clove is declared dead. 
And Peta's like, phew, one fewer lethal tribute to, for us to kill. Like, we just got to get Kato left. Like, hopefully Kato will kill off Thresh so we don't have to hurt him because we like him. And Katniss is like, I don't even want Kato to die. She's like, I, she says, I don't want anyone else to die. And it's not like she before the feast was like, yeah, I really want to kill all these boys. Like, it wasn't like she felt that way. But, like, the kindness that Thresh showed her and seeing Clove, like, completely desperate and helpless like it reinforces for her that it the districts and the hunger games fighting is some, like not the real issue that the, they're being forced to do this because of the capital because she sees clove's humanity when clove is like wailing for kato and kato's wailing for her and then thresh shows her this kindness like because Peta's literally like oh well at least maybe kato will kill thresh so we don't have to and she's like i don't even want to kill kato She's like, I don't want to do this violence anymore. I'm sorry, totally random thing, but I was just thinking of because something I didn't remember in the books, like very small detail, they describe Clove because throughout Katniss describes like Takura's as being pretty big because like they've been training for this. So they're all pretty like strong and like buff. But the casting for Clove in the movie, like she's not very big. She's like a small girl. Like Katniss or Jennifer Lawrence, the actress. Is way bigger than her is way bigger than her. So I just thought that was funny because they're like, oh, she like pins her down. I was like with her weight. And I was like, that was not at all what they did in the movie. Oh, also like there's like a little bit of inconsistency with like Glimmer because she's because like in when they're when she's in the tree and Glimmer, they like all start to climb and she's like, all of them are 100 pounds heavier than me. But then also Glimmer is like in a sheer gold sex dress like, I mean, you can be sexy and buff, but I was like, these people have to be, like, like, they gotta be big. And then also the like girl who's big, glimmer like, in the movie like is bodybuilders. a twig. The girl who's glimmer in the movie is a twig. I mean, we only I get, I feel like, like that just speaks towards, like, Hollywood standards of, you know, casting for women. Like, even though they're, they're literally, literally described, described as being, as, like, tough being and big. like, power lifters or something. They were like, uh, but what if we like, make them, like, skinny? little women that... We're supposed to believe are like super strong. <laughs> yeah, and then you know we have J- Josh Hutcherson, who I think was excellent as Peta, but Peta is supposed oh, to be yeah. like big and like buffer, not that much buffer, but he's supposed to like be like a comfort, like a pillow to Katniss, and like throwing around <laughs> like hundred pound bags of flour. And Josh Hutcherson is like kind of like a sweetie pie. Josh Hutcherson was okay. I mean, I think like, that his personality and his face really mi- matched Peta. Like, but yeah, he could have been like a little bit bigger. Yeah, but you're so right, especially like the careers but because I was just it is mentioned the for the clove, women, like, like specifically. Yeah, for the women especially because like I mean, Katniss described like especially as the games go on, like she's like her bones are showing, which like makes sense. They're literally starving, but like the careers supposed to be these well fed, like well trained. So, like, I would have just expected, like, you know, when you see, like, elite, like, female athletes. Like, even who are, if it like, was Simone Biles. Like, like, doesn't have to be tall, but, like, Simone Biles is a tank. Like, her arms. Like, built. She could knock yeah. me down. And the girl yeah. that's Clove in the movie is, like, tiny. And he, yeah. But I just was, that just came to my mind when we were just talking about it. Because I was, like, in the book, it, like, clearly describes her, like, holding her down with her weight. And I was like, that girl was definitely smaller than Jennifer Lawrence. But Which is also, like, kind of cool of Suzanne Collins to have, like, these, like, sexy, pretty, perfect, like, elegant career women that are also, like, tanks. Yeah. Honestly, I mean, I think we're jumping ahead a little. But 
in Catching Fire in the next book, mm-hmm. the careers in that, they, I feel like the women in that, or at least maybe from District 1, mm-hmm. are like a little bit more aggressive in the movie. Yeah, I, th- I think so. Well, we just get more of all of the career. Like, we get more of all of the tributes in the next one. Oh, that's sort of skipping ahead, but like, we're going to know the names of most of the tributes in Catching Fire where we don't know them as well. Like, in this one, we have, like, Cato Clove, Glimmer, Thresh Rue, yeah, Fox Yeah, you don't get Face, all the names of everybody. And the Twelves. Yeah. Okay, but no more talking about Catching Fire. We don't want to spoil anything. You're right. But, anyway, this whole thing with Clove and everything, after all that, this basically brings us close to the final showdown of the games. But is there anything you wanted to mention before we get into that, Charles? Yeah, so when they're in the cave, Katniss and Peeta figure out that Hamish must have outsmarted the others to win the games, which is going to be significant in the next book. So I won't go further down that line. But it is something that they mention because they're like, he's not attractive, so he couldn't have gotten sponsors. He's not strong and big, so he couldn't have like fought people. He must have probably been somewhat malnourished going in because he's coming from District 12. Like They're like, how did he even win? And they're like, he must have outsmarted them, so... Again, that'll be significant in the next two books, so I'll leave it there. But I wanted to flag it because it is important. What about you, Asia? Um, I just wanted to talk briefly about Foxface, and not just because she actually comes in fourth place, but just because of how clever she is described. And I just always think that, like, you know, it's too bad we never actually learn her name because Foxface is just the nickname that Katniss gives her because she's a redhead. But... Ultimately, like, her skill, like, Katniss notices her when she goes to blow up the food of the careers of how she's basically just been slowly stealing, like, food from the careers, like, but, like, just a little that they wouldn't notice, but enough for her to survive, and then basically just hiding. So she's kind of the person who's just, like, sitting and waiting for everyone else to kill each other. Like, and she makes it very far. Like, she's comes in fourth place, but it's just funny though because her cleverness is actually what ends up killing her because Peta, you know accidentally picks the nightlock berries that are poisonous and he doesn't realize what they are and because Foxface sees him she thinks they're safe and she eats them and dies so yeah as soon as the cheese was missing I was like oh my god I forgot this happened she's about to die of berries oh my god she's gonna die of the berries and then she did another character that I think like would have been nice to get explored more but yeah. You know, it is a book. But Katniss does mention how for Foxface, she can tell that she's, like, a little bit more, like, conniving because she, I think she mentioned something about, like, the smirk she had when she did something. Like, she was saying, like, she definitely doesn't mm-hmm. feel the same way. For her, I should just feel for Thresh. Oh, because, no, 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 I think it's when after she sees her, either that first time or the second time, she's, like, Oh, no, it's the first time because she's like, oh, she had a second where she's like, maybe I should make an alliance with Foxface. But she's like, that smile, she's like, I know that I would get a knife in the back. Like, she definitely is. She's doing all this cleverness for her own interests. Like, she can't be trusted. Whereas, obviously, so, like, that is why Katniss wouldn't feel the same way for her as Thresh. Oh, yeah. I mean, even, like, the nickname she gives her, Foxface, because she has a pointy face and she's got red hair. Like, it's not exactly, like, a trust-inspiring name. (laughs) But, yeah, that actually brings us to the final showdown. So we have Katniss and Peeta. They just, like, 
head over to the cornucopia, and they're waiting for Cato because he's a dramatic little whiner. He comes running in. No, it's not because he's dramatic. It's because he's being chased by the mutations. And as soon as Katniss was like, there's something like, she's like, they're bigger than wolves. I was like, oh my God, I forgot. They're based on the other tributes. And like two sentences later, Katniss figures it out. And I was like, oh God, it's still awful. Like all these years later that they like, we don't know if it's like their bodies transformed or if it's just based on them, but I, or like if it's just their eyes, which Peter says, oh, like either way, it's still like, that's like emotional torture that they're doing to these kids. I mean, the whole games are, who am I kidding? But like, it's really bad to be like, especially because all of them had alliances at one point and like, oh, it's awful, awful. Yeah, it's definitely, that part is, yeah, horrible to read. It's disgusting. It's terrible. And then, though, it gets even worse because when Katniss ends up shooting Cato's hand and they shove him off the cornucopia, he had this, like, full body armor on. So once the, like, wolf things grab him, he survives the whole night because they're just slowly, like, eating away at him. Because they only can get his, like, his head because everything else is covered. Well, I think it seems like they're, like, working through the armor to, like, get to his body. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's really not described that much, but it's just very, like, disturbing and violent to read. But it didn't really go that much into, like, detail necessarily. Well, it's also, like, pretty awful because they're on top of the cornucopia. They're, like, trying to sleep because they're, like, we're weak. But they're, like, can hear him whimpering inside the cornucopia. Just want to say, pretty graphic violence, Asia. This is a book we both picked out. I, I know we already discussed a little bit about how the difference in darkness with his dark materials. But I am willing to accept an apology if you want to say that this book is, you know, pretty dark, too. You know, Katniss does have to mercy kill Cato with an arrow after being gnawed at by dogs for eight hours. And... Again, the dogs are stylized to look like the previous tributes. Well, I still feel like I said the book doesn't really go that much into detail, actually, because really the idea of Cato being, you know, eaten. What we get really is Katniss. Obviously, Katniss and Peter, they're hearing his screaming and his moaning. So like, yeah, that that that's terrible to read. And then the only like visual thing we get is that when she does finally kind of hang down to mercy kill him, with the arrow, she says that she sees, like, the hunk of meat of what used to be her oh. competitor. So, like, yeah, that's Ooh. gross, but it's not, like, described in detail at all. So we kind of just more get an idea of it. It's kind of almost like, so, like, I feel like that makes it, like, not as bad. Like, it would, like, I don't, like, whereas, like, I feel like in Hearts of Dark Materials, like, things were described a little bit more in detail. But, because, I mean, even, like, from this scene, like I remember in the movie, like I it wasn't that bad. I feel like in the movie at all. No, it's not. Which that I know, bad like the they needed to get all. that PG thirteen rating, and they couldn't have gone all crazy. But like it wasn't that bad at all. Like you couldn't see anything. You don't yeah. even know what was happening. Also, this is more awful if you think about it. Yeah. And so in the movie, they show it, and they don't have them like falling asleep and like hearing him. Like they knock him over. And they're like, oh, my God, he's not dying. And Katniss shoots him in the movie. Like, it, yeah, it doesn't isn't go it on. Like instantaneous? Whereas in the book, she's like, I guess we just let him be. But we can't go down there because they're going to eat us, too. So they're like, well, I guess we're going to sleep here. And they can, like, hear him. And then they wake. But they, like, they can't. Like, 
It goes on for the whole night. Because you're also imagining it night. more. It goes on for the whole night. But, like, even then, it's, like, and we slept restlessly, and then we woke up. Like, whereas, you know, it, it's not, yeah, we don't get, like, a description of the whole night. Like, it's in your brain. If you read it and you visualize it, that's what makes it gross. Yeah. But the book description itself isn't as gross. It's minimal. And then the movie description, the movie is not at all violent. Like, you can see Kato's face in the movie, and he's like, <laughs> Sorry, I just made a really gross face, but this is a podcast, so you can't see it. But he's I like, can confirm it was quite a gross and, face. And so Katniss is like, "Badum chick," and then she kills him. And then that is Aunt Asia. Do you want to take us home um, in the arena? <laughs> yes. So they've killed Cato. They climb off the cornucopia, and they're like, "What's taking so long?" Like. What do we have to do? They're like, maybe we have to go back to the lake or something. So they like hobble over there and they're like, hello, we won. And then the (laughs) announcement comes over and they're like, just kidding. Only one of you can win. And then that's it. And they're just looking at each other. And I think this is a really important moment because PETA kind of like reaches for his knife to like to like drop his weapon, basically. And Katniss immediately like draws her bow and arrow at him, which like shows her like still having that instinct of self-defense survival first. And Peter like, throws his knife into the lake, of course, because he has no chance anyway. But he's like, do it. Like, you have to go back. And then she immediately, like, stops, you know, is ashamed of herself for, like, turning on him so quickly. I She's ashamed of herself. I do think that if Peter had, like, attacked her, like, like I think that in the moment... It would have been sad if Peta like had like attacked her, but I didn't think it was unreasonable for her no, no, to no, draw no, the bow and arrow. Because if Peta was gonna attack her, then yeah, she should be allowed to murk him. Like she should be allowed to take him out. But of course, like afterwards she feels ashamed because she's like, Of course Peta wouldn't attack me. But like in the moment, you can't know that. <laughs> because Peta's been hot and cold for a whole book. And he but just actually, plucked up her, his Peta knife. hasn't been well it I it more just Well she doesn't her- know that. It's more speaks to her character, again, the idea of Katniss doesn't trust people because she was not raised to trust others. Like, you know what I mean? Like, she's been forced to fend for herself her entire life. There's no one looking out for her. So, like, she has to be ready at all times. Whereas, like, Peta is just in love with Katniss. And also, like, he's like, I'm about to bleed out anyway. Like, he he doesn't, like, you know what I mean? He's not thinking like that. He releases his tourniquet. Yeah, he's like, you don't get a choice, Katniss. I'm going to die first. Yeah, he's like... And then she's like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. And then she figures it out. Go ahead. But then, obviously, they, you know, Katniss is like, we're not going to kill one another. Like, we're not going to do that. Because they even talk about how she's like, no, you do it, because then you're going to have to live with it. And she says, she's like, if I kill Peter, she's like, I'm never going to recover from this, ever. Like, I, there's no way I'm going to be able to live with myself. Which is true. She's like, ultimately, like, she says, like, who the easier path at this point is death. Because now you're going to have to live with you had to kill, like your partner that you've like been with for the second half of the games. But so then Katniss, you know, obviously has the iconic idea that we'll just kill ourselves with the nightlock, just commit a double suicide. And, you know, she's like, there's no, she has the thought of like, we can't let the capital win. What a like joke to them if they don't even have a victor. And so they go like, they're going to take the nightlock which I thought it was interesting that they literally stand back to back. So like immense trust. She went from no trust to a hundred percent trust. They can't even see each other. 
Well, yeah, this is what makes it more rebellious. Like, if they were facing each other, it was it could have been, like, more like, oh, we, like, can't live in a world without the other one. But all of a sudden, they're back to back. back and they're like, like. Yeah, all in. All and in. <laughs> luckily, the capital, like, as they're like, one, two, three, they, like, put their berries in mouth. They're like, wait, 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 wait. We now present <laughs> the, the two victors of the 74th Hunger Games. So they both win, and then they come and retrieve them from the arena. And they, like, immediately separate them so they can, like, fix PETA. And they take them back to the capital to basically, you know, be put back together. Yeah, and so when Katniss wakes up, they she realizes they've polished her body. Like, not just the things that happened in the arena, but, like, scars she had before. She's, like, they, like, over-beautified her. And something that I do remember from reading this for the first time was that Cinna talks about when she puts on her dress, like, for the first interview back there's like extra padding on the dress and she like is like what like what is this and he's like well actually the capital wanted to like give you a boob job basically but Hamish had a huge like fight with them over it and this was like the compromised so like yet another like example of how like even though she's won the hunger games like the victors are just seen as like objects at the capital like almost like pets like that they can just do whatever they want with them I remember the padding, and then the dress is kind of described as, like, extra girlish, which I did remember. But, yeah, the Capitol had to give her a boob job while she was drugged. Like, I didn't remember it being, like, I, maybe I knew that, but, like, the significance of that, like, probably didn't pick up on that quite as much as I should have in eighth grade. And then it turns out that the Capitol is pissed that Katniss suggested the suicide. Um... They're, like, they're really mad because basically means Katniss kind of controlled the narrative. So the strategy is that Katniss is basically going to be, like, they are so in love that they couldn't be alive without each other. And Katniss, like, really lays it on thick. And she does a good job. And Hamish is like, Pete is already there. And then on the train back, Katniss is like, oh, thank God, we don't have to pretend anymore. And Pete is like, Pretend? Yeah, so this is kind of where we discover, you know, it actually was real for Peta all along. He really does love Katniss. And he's loved her since he was five. Yeah, he's basically, I mean, we're assuming he's always loved her. And so now he feels betrayed because Katniss is starting to feel confused, which like, I feel like I remember when reading this for the first time, I was like, Katniss, why are you confused? Like, Peta's great. Why don't you want to be with him? (laughs) But now from like an older perspective, I mean... She's suffering. I mean, they're both going to be suffering from very, very intense PTSD. That alone is kind of going to confuse how you're going to feel about everything. And she just talks about how, too, since during the games, how she was approaching their romance was, like, all strategy. She feels probably like this feels like a lie to her because that's not. Like, she wouldn't have went in like that if she didn't know it was a strategy to win, to come out alive. Totally. I think that there you hit on some, like, I think that we need to, like, unpack this. But I think you're totally right that, one, for Katniss, it's always been a strategy because she just thought it was a strategy. And, like, she had proof of that because, like, if she put on romance, Hamish was able to get them gifts. Like, it's stuff like she and because she didn't actually think that Peta loved her. And after the interview, when they're, she gets mad at them and they're like, Peta did this to make you desirable. She's like, I guess it was a strategy they worked out without me. So she hasn't thought at all that this was genuine for Peta. And granted, I also, when I first read it, I was like, Peta's perfect. You need to be with Peta. Um, 
I think that I do think that like PETA's reaction, while I understand that he would be hurt, I'm also like she didn't know that you actually felt this way, PETA. She really and and you and Hamish, again, we don't know how much they discussed like we're going to make you star cross lovers, or PETA just told this to Hamish and Hamish kind of came. We don't know whether it was like both of them or just one of them. But Katniss was kept out of all of this. So I think that I'm like, Peta, it was a little presumptuous to like that cat. Cause again, all Katniss ever thought was that it was a strategy. And Peta should know that because he literally never told Katniss how he felt. They were strangers until like three weeks ago. So I just think that like, while I understand why Peta would be hurt because he thought that their romance had like blossomed. I'm also like Peta she didn't know that this was real. Oh, yeah. And the sense of also, like, even their levels of PTSD, like, Katniss definitely, if, if, like, you're putting it on a scale, like, Katniss had the traumatic experience of losing Rue, somebody who she actually connected with. And even in the second half, like, her being attacked by Clove, like, Peter was just in the cabin, like, or not the cabin, the cave, you know, just trying to recover. So he didn't have all those experiences, which they're going to get into, like, their shit experiences of the... PTSD and like I think it is like good to remind ourselves again these are kids like they're children they're 16 years old so of course like and he has had to kill people he had to kill the girl with the campfire no yeah of course killed Foxface his feelings but like are hurt in this moment and I think it's kind of like for Peter's from Peter's perspective you know he's like we just went through this shared traumatic experience and you know I really do love you and like care about you and Katniss who's kind of been forced to always be alone i feel like her instinctual way of coping with things is to do it on her own she doesn't want to deal with it with someone else whereas Peta is like we should we should deal with this together because this was a shared experience and so like katniss that's not what she would want to do and also she has this complicated relationship with gail for when she comes home and she feels like she's been living this lie and she's just like i can't see myself with Peta at home like because we've like you just said like they've only known each other really for these past three weeks in the context of the games totally like she didn't know yeah and like again Peta and Hamish whatever they discussed like they kept Katniss out of it yeah I just feel like again I totally understand Peta's frustration but I feel like both of them could have like if they talked about this like that conversation on the trail track train tracks if they'd like talked for another like 20 minutes maybe they could have gotten further into it but Peta storms off because he's like heartbroken well also and then they say how like Katniss doesn't get to talk to him again until they're basically back in district 12 right before they go out and she says how like she wishes she could tell him you know that like how she feels she's like I'm like I can't be someone for you I'm broken I'm nothing like I and she talks she never wants kids. Like, she's like, I don't I don't want you to put you through that because I already know where I'm at. Like, I am broken and I'm only going to drag you down with me. Where it's like, we don't... Get- also, she's like, there are some real feelings. But she's like, I have, have not figured out what was real, what was for the capital, what wasn't, what was me being paranoid in the arena, and what was me genuinely feeling safe with you. Like, she's feeling... She's definitely feeling, like, more romantically inclined towards Peta than she is Gail. Like, she oh, literally says, sure. like, five times. She's like, I don't <laughs> see myself with Gail. Like, she says it, like, eight or seven or, like, a three bajillion <laughs> times. 
For everyone who's listening, she says it a bajillion times I, in this book. I just have to mention, I think one of my favorite lines, another favorite line of mine in the book is when she, like, thinks about her family watching her and she's, like, she thinks about Gail and she's, like, I wonder what he thinks about all this kissing. <laughs> like, she doesn't view Gail like that. So, again, Team Gail, get axed. But, um... She's in, like, an older brother more, honestly. He's family. Yeah, but... Uh, He's family to her, but I really think that, like, again, that conversation, if it just lasts, like, a little longer, maybe she could have been like, I'm sorry, Peta. I met you three weeks ago. I didn't know you were playing. No one told me that this was, like, real love for you because everyone told me it was a strategy. Like, oh, like I and just, then she could have been like, I can't wait I'm for catching fire. I'm stuff. just getting, like, I'm remembering all the things that we're about to go through in the next book. Even, like, besides all that, but with Katniss and Peeta's relationship, like... There are some characters who are going to get slapped a lot in this book. Okay, but... By me. I'm going to slap them. But I'm just... I'm looking forward to, like, you know, we're, like, we're sad. Like, this is a turning point, but, like, I'm just excited to see everything and go through all of that because there's so much that's going to happen. There's so much that's going to happen. Any other things before we wrap up? I don't think so. I'm just really looking forward to Catching Fire. I do like Hunger Games. I think this is a great book that, like re- like you said, really sets up the story well of how she wrote it to where we get a lot of the background through Katniss, like learning about more of Panem and stuff. Like, I think this is done really well, but we all know Catching Fire is the best <laughs> just because it's the it's the climax of the trilogy. Like, it's, it's a really huge turning point, like, as we're going to find out in the next episode. Catching Fire, it's not even longer than the other ones, but you just get different, like, you get more distinct plot points in Catching Fire. The characters are better because you're going to meet more of the characters. You're going to get to know more of them. You don't have to do, like, background stories. It's just Catching Fire is just, the movie is excellent. Like, it's just everyone, (laughs) everyone's favorite. Yeah, I don't, it's not that I don't like The Hunger Games. And it's not that I don't like Mocking Jay, but just like everyone knows Catching Fire is the best book and the best movie, like far and away. Yeah. For the listeners, you can let us know if you agree or disagree with us. But like But I feel agree. like there's no way <laughs> there's no way you could disagree. I mean, come on. But anyway, if you, you know. Anyway, next week we will be moving on to, as we've mentioned many times, our favorite book of the trilogy, Catching Fire. So if you're going to read along with us, go ahead and read the first half, which is chapters 1 through 14 for next week. Yeah. And as Asia mentioned, awesome opportunity. If you have predictions, theories, questions, or for some reason you don't agree that Catching Fire is the best book, you can always stay in touch with us directly on the Nerd Party website. So you just head over to nerdparty.com slash contact. You select throwback paperback and you can send us an email there. You can also get in touch with the network at large on Twitter at join nerd party, Instagram at the nerd party or facebook.com slash the nerd party. I'm at C E Sheeland on Twitter and at seashells on Instagram. I said that weirdly. <laughs> and I'm at Asia Bonia on Twitter and at Asia.bonia on Instagram. If you enjoyed this, make sure that you rate and review the podcast and share it with your friends. And of course, check out the other podcasts on the Nerd Party Network. Make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss us next week. Yeah, hit that subscribe. Have a good one, and we will see you next week.
Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.